Okay, so we're on a series called Christians with Addictions, right? Cell phones muted, hearts open, here we go. It comes from Psalm 51. And it's for anybody that struggles with, with drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, Netflix, Briar's ice cream, Starbucks, being negative, gossiping, not liking the person sitting next to you. It can fade anything, whatever, you're, whatever it can be. And, and every sermon starts with the letter R. And part one was recognize you need Jesus. Part two was take responsibility. And I wanted to show you this picture that I thought was real funny. It says, never blame someone else for the road you're on. That's your own asphalt. <laughs> hey, I just read what it said. That's all I did. Listen, I see a lot of asphalt around here. And... It's your, you can, okay. Okay, so today in part three, we're going to talk about this. Roots. Roots. Why is it that the same thing keeps happening in my life? What is the root cause of why I'm experiencing what I'm experiencing? What is the root cause of why this keeps happening to me over and over again? Because we're, we're so good at trying to deal with the fruit, but we never deal with the root on the inside. Uh, what's the root cause of, of having financial success? What's the root cause of all your children being saved and coming to Jesus and serving God? What's the root cause? If you're like me, there are areas of my life that are so blessed. Every time I touch it, it just turns to gold. And then there's some areas, if you're like me, where I just keep seeing rotten fruit. What is the root cause? Let's do the next. What's the root cause of always having financial struggle? What's the root cause of losing your job? You get a new one, you lose it. You lose a good job, lose it. Every year you got a different job. What's the root cause of constantly having strife in your life? Every relationship has got strife, strife, strife. What is the root cause of, of gossip? Is, is it because you're insecure? Is it because you want people to think bad of others and think better of you? Is it because you're just nervous and have nothing to say and you want someone to pay attention to you? What's the root cause? What's the root cause? What's the root cause of the addiction we're facing? And everyone in this room has some addiction that God wants to get out of your life. I heard someone say that we're only as strong as our weakest link. In other words, you can be a great parent, you can make money and pay bills, but if you're always negative, that's going to destroy everything in your life. It's going to constantly follow you everywhere. Or maybe you're very positive and you work hard and you know, on and on, except maybe you just never pay the bills on time. And electric's getting turned off and water's getting turned off. What is the root cause of that? You know, that, that weak link will constantly follow you. And I think God wants to help us get rid of it. Matthew 12, 33 says, either make the root or the tree good and it's fruit good, or else make the root bad and it's fruit bad. For a root or a tree is known by its fruit. Now, before I really get into my three points, let me say this. It says that, that, that we're known by our fruit, right? If, if I walk by a tree and there's oranges hanging off the tree... Now, first service, somebody got it wrong. If there's oranges hanging off the tree, what type of tree is it? Okay, yeah, yeah, thank God. We had somebody visiting from Ainer at the first service, and I don't know what happened. Anyway, they'd never seen it. They thought oranges grew in the grocery store. But anyway, and so, um, and so it, it's an orange tree, right? You know, this one, my friend, you can't just all of a sudden meet somebody and start dating. You need to be friends and find out what kind of fruit they produce in their life. You can't just give your heart to somebody and trust them overnight. you got to find out what kind of fruit's going on. And the way you know the fruit is you look at this. It takes seasons to produce fruit, not days. It takes seasons. And there are some weird people out there. Those are the fruit cakes, by the way. Those are fruit cakes. <laughs> I met a fruit cake at church a few months ago. This lady came, and I, she was coming for, she came for the first time. And after church, she went and grabbed my hand. And I immediately knew that she was weird because she wouldn't let go of my hand. Now listen, if I shake your hand 
after we're done shaking, let go of my hand, okay? Don't keep holding on to it. And this lady was trying to tell me how good the service was, and, I, and she knew I wanted to get away. I think that's why she was holding on so tight. And her hand kept moving up my arm while she was talking to me. I, I know. And, and so finally she said, can I pray for you? And I said, no, thank you. Now, why would the pastor of the church not want somebody to pray for him? Because I don't know you, lady. You might be weird. I don't know if you're going to pray the right. I don't know if you're going to pray to Jesus. I don't know who you're going to pray to. Just because you came to church one time, you think I know you, I'm going to let you lay hands on me and pray for me? No, I need to know your fruit. I know what's going on in your life. When you, when you, when you give someone your heart or when you're in a relationship, are their kids serving God? Do they pay their bills on time? Have they had the same job for five years? Like, what's the fruit they're producing? Right? Because we can fool people for a few days. We can fool people for a few weeks. But you, and I'm not saying judge somebody by a few bad fruits here and there. I'm just saying look at what's produced year after year after year. How many people have they brought to Jesus? You know, do they, do they, they have peace in their life? Like, you understand? Are you okay? Everybody's okay. Okay, so when it comes to this scripture, we tend to focus on the fruit of our lives, but it's the root that causes the fruit. And just so you know, the Bible says that we are supposed to judge. I don't know why people say Christians shouldn't judge. Actually, we're called to judge the fruit. We're fruit inspectors is what we are. Now, a judge does two things. A judge determines what's right and wrong, and then a judge also determines sentencing. We don't do the sentencing. We don't treat people bad or we're not rude or anything like that. Uh, God determines sentencing, but we are to judge if this is right or if this is wrong based on the word of God. Okay, we are called to do that. We are to say, listen, the way you're living, this is wrong or this is not right or whatever. And we don't treat them bad and we don't talk about them or nothing like that. But even with our, our children and our own lives, we're called to judge the fruit. Okay, so I have three points for you today on roots. They all start with the letter B. If you're ready, say, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Point number one is bad. Bad roots, bad roots. Matthew 7, 17 says, every good root bears good fruit. But a bad root or tree bears bad fruit. You're going to see a lot of scripture today with root and fruit, root and fruit. Okay, so be ready. A good root cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad root bear good fruit. I do not like green eggs and ham. I do not like... Okay, anyway. So the reason, the reason that I have any good fruit in my life is because there's a good root in there. Every area of my life that has bad fruit is because I have allowed a bad root on the inside. I need to find out what that root is and find out how to uproot it and get the right thing on the inside so that the fruit changes. Are you with me? Okay, so what kind of root do we need? John 15, 1, 4 through 5. Jesus said this, I am the true vine or the root. My father is the vine dresser, the owner of the vineyard. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the root, you are the branches. If you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Now, we just read that Jesus is the root, okay? If you're curious what kind of fruit he wants you to produce, you can write on your handout, Galatians 5.22 is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, humility, and self-control. I always try to leave off patience, but I never can do it. I, I go too quick. I don't like that fruit. That's not, I need some more of that fruit. I need a lot more of that fruit. Okay, so in the Greek lexicon for your notes, the root in the scripture is, a, is Jesus, a fruit-producing vine as opposed to a jungle vine. A jungle vine is the kind of vine that grabs a hold of you and you never leave that place the rest of your life. You're stuck there. You're stuck in that one addiction or that one problem. That's the jungle vine. But the fruit-producing vine, of course, is Jesus. The word abide in this passage means to stay in one place for a long time. It has the connotation of remaining through the struggle. 
Now, I am not a wine connoisseur. I am more of an old-fashioned connoisseur. Old-fashioned is a, it's not like I'm old. and Old-fashioned is a type of chocolate milk. And so um, I'm, I'm a professional. But I don't know much about wine. But I did read this. The best wine is produced from grapes that remain through the struggle or the storms. In other words, some grapes, the wind comes, they just fall off. But the grapes that stay attached to the vine, even during the difficult times, those are the ones that make the best wine. Here's my question. Do you remain in the struggle? Do you stay connected to the vine even in the struggles of life? Um, do, you, do you tithe even when business is low? Do you keep your commitments even when it starts not being fun anymore? You know, we, um, we started a Christian school here, and it's going amazing, and we have already people signed up for next, um, next year. It's going great. But last year we started it, and we, we said we need volunteers for teacher's aides. And it's just one day a week. Just one day a week is it. And we had a lot of people sign up. And so, of course, we have legal contracts for our teachers as we need them. But um, my administrative pastor said, we need, we need contracts for our volunteers. I said, no, we don't. No, no, no. These are Christians that are volunteering. Of course, they'll keep their commitment. These are, these are people that are in church every Sunday. It's just one day a week. It's for the children. It's for the children. How could you say no to the children? And we had like 50 people sign up, and they were all excited. And within one month, I think 30 of them backed out. <laughs> And we understand if you had surgery or you're sick or you moved to a different country, we'll give you grace for that. But did you quit just because you didn't like waking up early one day a week? Did you quit because it wasn't as fun as you thought it was? Did you quit because it wasn't as exciting? Like, what? why could you not remain to commit it? Now, here's the thing. The people that remain, they always produce fruit in life. The people in this room that produce the most fruit is the ones that stay committed even during the struggles and the tough times. Uh, the scripture goes on, the word bear in this passage means this, to carry. It does not mean to produce. The word bear in that passage does not mean to produce. It means to carry. In other words, the Holy Spirit, when Jesus is the root, right? You invite Jesus in your heart. When he's the root, he produces the fruit for you. He produces the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. That's for you. But when you stay connected to Jesus all through the week and not just Sunday morning, he helps you to carry it to the other people you're around so that the world can taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. You get, let me say it again. So you get, Okay, so the Holy Spirit, he helps you produce it. You can't produce it. It actually says, apart from me, you can do nothing, right? He helps you produce it. So you produce it. He produces it for you to enjoy love, peace, patience, kindness. But then he helps you all through the week when you stay connected to carry it to everybody else in your workplace, to Walmart, to the gas station. To the lady at Coles who's using the register for the first time in her life and keeps messing up the one thing you want to buy and there's 20 people behind you sweating and when you're about to cuss her out, she says, I enjoy watching you on YouTube every Sunday. It's that kind of thing that you want to stay connected for every week. Actually, I, went to, I didn't say this in the first service, but I went to, uh, whatever, I went to build a bear yesterday, you know, and I built me a little bear. And, um, and this girl's looking at me the whole time. The whole time she's staring at me, I thought, this is weird. And we're doing our bear. And, and I was so frustrated because the line was long. And I just wanted to, I, I know a bit, I wanted to say, listen, here's how y'all need to run this place. I saw one girl over here is not talking to nobody. You need to stand over here. And this, I need to tell them, it, it'd be more efficient if you'd give me 30 seconds of your time. I'll tell you how to make it better. And I was about to do that. And then finally she said, you look so familiar. I think I come to your church every now and then. <laughs> I said, well, see me afterwards, and I'm going to pray that God helps you learn how to run this place better. But anyway, <laughs> patience, Jesus, patience. Okay, so, so, so what am I talking about? I don't know what I'm talking about. Okay, we will never produce or bear fruit apart from Jesus. 
It actually says no thing. It says, apart from me, you can do nothing. No thing. You can't breathe apart from Jesus. I don't know if you knew that or not. You can't breathe without him. But here's the Bible. The Bible actually says, um, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. Nothing apart, all things through. Okay, I'm about to read you a messianic scripture in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah has more prophecies about Jesus than any other book of the Bible, written hundreds of years before Jesus. I'm going to teach you as I go through it, and then I'm going to, I'm going to read for you the fruition of that scripture in the Gospels. Okay, and I want you to see if you can see any similarities of the two. Okay, Isaiah 5, 1 through 7, my beloved had a vineyard on a fruitful hill. He dug it up and cleared it of stones and planted it with the finest vine, which is Jesus. In other words, he sent his son Jesus. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press. Then he looked for a good crop. He looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only what kind of fruit? Okay. Now you dwellers in Israel, which is us, we've been crafted into Israel. Judge between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done for my vineyard than I've done for it? When I look for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? Now I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do to my vineyard. I'm going to take away its hedge, and it will be destroyed. And as a side note, a hedge, for your notes, it's, a, it's the protection of the word of God. And Satan can't get through the hedge. In fact, biblically, you can pray a hedge of protection over your children and over your finances and over your family and over your health and your, your home and so forth. I remember in Job... When Satan's coming against Job and he can't touch him, and Satan goes to God and says, I can't touch him. He's got a hedge around him. You remember that? Pretend like, just pretend like you read the Bible and do like this so I feel better about myself. Okay, good. Yes, you remember that. And, 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 if you, and, 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 and the Bible says actually you can pray um, a hedge of thorns over somebody, and that's when they're completely running from God, and God will open up their life to Satan attacking them, demonic spirits, and will actually cause them to hit rock bottom so they run back to Jesus. That happened to Gomer in the Old Testament. That's just some free stuff for y'all. I'm not going to charge you for that. Off the, but, you know, Tim Hawkins, the, the Christian comedian, he, he does a bit about the hedge of protection. And he says, you know, God, why couldn't you have made it a, a steel wall or a concrete building? Oh, we got a hedge around us. All Satan has to do is get some scissors. And, oh, if I could just get my scissors out, I'll get around this hedge. But it's funnier if you watch Tim Hawkins do it. It's so much funnier when he does it. Okay. He's much funnier than I am. Okay, now I'll tell you what I'm going to do to my vineyard. I'll take away its hedge. It'll be destroyed. I'll break down its walls. It'll be trampled. I will make it a wasteland, neither pruned nor cultivated. And briars and thorns, which represents demonic spirits, will grow there. I will command the clouds not to rain. The vineyard of the Lord is the nation of Israel. When I tell you what things mean, like briars and thorns, it's not because I'm smarter than you. It's because I've read more of the Bible, and the Bible interprets itself. You don't need a pastor or a person to interpret the Bible. Other places in the Bible, it tells us that briars and thorns are demonic spirits. That's the only reason I know that, okay? It's not because it's not some theological thing that we have to figure out. And the reason, and you ever wonder, why doesn't God just write demons there? Why does he put right? The reason God does this, and it tells us this in the Bible, is so that we'll spend time in the Bible searching for it and spending time with God finding it. How many times have you been on Facebook and you see a little quip, you know, and you think, oh, this, this is so cute, and you share it, and the next day you forget all about it. But if you spend an hour and a half that day researching it and finding out why God said it, when he said it, and what happened, it gets buried on the inside of you, and you have it with you for the rest of your life. So the reason that this is things like that, the reason there's parabolic language is so you spend time in the Word to find out what it means. And when you do that, that's when the Bible talks about hiding God's Word in your heart. That you may not, Okay, you, we good? Okay, now I'm going to read you the fruition of this scripture. And since the day, I said this in the first one, since the day I got saved, I've never been able to read this next passage without crying. 
I'm going to do it today because I already read it earlier and it's all out and we're good. But the reason is because Jesus is saying this about himself seven days before he's going to die. So he's telling everyone a story and they don't know it's about him. And he's literally, imagine telling everybody, here's how I'm going to die in seven days. And they have no idea that you're even talking about yourself. And you're just telling a story about a man who's going to get murdered. Okay, this is Jesus telling the story. Matthew 21, 33 through 40, a certain landowner, that's God, planted a vineyard, set a hedge around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a tower. Does that sound familiar to what we just read? Yes or no? Hundreds of years later, this is written. Then he leased it to farmers and moved away. At the time of the harvest, he sent his servants, which is the prophets, to receive its fruit. But the, the farmers, that's us, took his servants beat one, killed one, and stoned another. So the landowner sent a larger group of his prophets or servants to say, hey, you need to turn to God, you need to turn to God. But the results were the same. Finally, the owner sent his one beloved son. And Jesus is saying this about himself, thinking hopefully they'll respect my son. But when the farmers saw his son coming, they said to one another, here comes the heir. Come on, let's kill him and steal his inheritance. So they grabbed him. I wish Jesus had said, so they grabbed me. So they gra And imagine you're dying and you have the power to shoot lasers out of your eyes and kill everyone that's harming you. And you're not doing it. It's one thing to get beat up and you can't get away. It's another thing to get beat up and you could totally kick their butt. But you're getting beat up for the very people that are kicking your butt. That's a lot of... Strength. That's a lot of strength. Dragged him, grabbed him, took him out of the vineyard, and murdered him. And Jesus asked, when the owner of the vineyard returns, what do you think he's going to do to the prophets? What do you think he's going to do to the farmers? What do you think he's going to do to the people that killed his prophets and killed his own son? So here's my question. Will you receive the vine that the father sent? And ask it to live in your heart so that the bad roots get out and the good roots start growing. And if you're already a Christian, will you stay committed Monday through Saturday and not just on Sunday so you can bear the fruit the rest of the week? Let me give you an analogy and we'll get to point two. I knew this dog one time named Fred, and Fred loved legs. I mean, he loved legs. And every time he saw a leg, he just couldn't wait to sink his teeth into that leg. The, the, the delivery boy would come with pizza, and he'd just wait at the door. And time the door open, he'd grab that leg and sink it. He just loved legs. The postman would come. He'd grab that as a, the milkman. He just, everybody was scared to come to Fred's house because he just couldn't wait to bite a hold of their leg. So his owner got him a shock collar and thought, I'm going to shock him every time he bites leg. And he just kept biting legs. Didn't stop him. He got some newspaper, and he beat his tail. That didn't stop him. So finally, Fred's owner put a muzzle on him. So he couldn't open up his mouth, and lo and behold, that stopped Fred from biting legs. Only in the inside, now he wanted to bite legs twice as much. Because at least when he could get a hold of one every now and then, it got it out of his system. Now he couldn't even bite. It was destroying him from the inside out. That's what it's like when we try to produce fruit on our own. That's what it's like when we try to change on our own. That's what it's like when we try to be good on our own without inviting the one who produces all those things on the inside of us. Only God can change a heart. In other words, stop trying to be good and invite the root of goodness to live inside of you. Right? That's one of the fruit of the Spirit is good. Stop trying to force peace and invite the root that produces peace to live on the inside of you. Okay, you good with point number one. Point number two, bitter roots. 
The reason we're going to do bitter roots is because biblically speaking, and when I say biblically, you should all like perk up and think what's going to come next. Biblically, bitter roots are listed as the cause for more sin and more problem than any other root listed in the Bible. Bitter roots are the root for pornography, anger, hatred, jealousy, racism, on and on it goes. Just a list. All through the Bible you can find this. Hebrews 12, 15, let no one fail to receive the grace of God. Let no bitter root grow up and defile many. And it goes on to say like, like what happened with Esau, and I'll tell you what that means in a second. Okay, so it starts off saying you need to receive the grace of God. In other words, and I told you last week, the grace of God is sufficient. God, I love you. Whatever you have for me is what I'll take. I trust you. I love you. Here's what Satan does. Satan says, you know what? God's holding out on you. If God loved you, he would have healed that person you prayed for. If God loved you, he wouldn't have let you have been born this way. If God loved you, he would have stopped this accident from happening. And Satan tries to get us. His goal is for us to become bitter toward God. That's Satan's goal. He wants you to forget the grace of God. I want this to make me happy. Forget what God's provided. I want this over here. In fact, the original sin, when Satan, when Lucifer was in heaven, the original sin was Lucifer thinking this. Why won't God share some of that glory with me? How come he has to get all the glory? God, you're holding out. You should give me a little bit of that glory. And Isaiah 14 says when Satan had that thought, he was cast down to earth like lightning. He was thrown out of heaven. What does Satan do? He goes straight to Eve, right? And he goes to Eve and says, you know what? God's holding out on you. That fruit that he won't give you, that'll make you happy. It's so funny. He showed her a fruit. Here's some fruit that the root did not provide. Here's some fruit that if you get this fruit, everything will be better in life. She should have said, God, everything God's given me is enough. But she got deceived in the thing and God was holding out on her. And it was actually a bitter root. God, why are you letting this happen? If you love me, you wouldn't let my loved one get cancer. If, if God, if, why would you, I was a child, why would you let me get abused? Why couldn't you stop the abuse? I, what did I do to deserve that? God, if you loved me, why did this person walk out on me? You knew it was going to happen. Why did you even stop me from having them in my life? God, it's all your fault. Now, theologically, I've already taught you before. We live in a fallen world. People have a, a free will, and Satan's attacking you, and we trust God, and he can turn bad things into good things. But that, I'm not even getting into the theology of it. I'm just saying some of us have a bitter root toward God. Uh, Ruth 120, uh, Naomi lost her husband and two sons, and she said this, Don't call me Naomi, which means joy in their language. Call, call me Mara, which means bitter, and here's why. It's all God's fault. The Lord did this to me. The Lord caused me this grief and this bitterness. She's saying, God, it's all your fault why this happened. Why didn't you stop it? Why didn't you fix it? And I think there's a lot of Christians in this room. Yes, we love Jesus. Yes, we serve God. But deep, deep, deep on the inside, there's that little teeny bitter root that says, but God, why did you let why didn't you stop? I love you. I say I trust you. But you, you could have let, why didn't you do this right here? And, 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 and I want you to see that that'll, that'll destroy your whole life, your whole relationship with God. Uh, one time the Israelites, they were in the desert looking for water. They finally found water in Exodus 15, 23. It says when they finally found it, it was so bitter they couldn't even drink it. And they named it Mara, <clears throat> like the lady before we just read about. Has <clears throat> there ever come a time in your life where, you're praying, you're believing, and you think it's all going to work out. And your dream has come true, and just like that, everything's ruined. You thought you were going to be able to retire, and then somebody messed you up in a business deal. You thought you were going to be healed, and the doctor said, oh, we found something else. And then all of a sudden, everything's bitter. 
Here's the good news. Verse 25, it says, the Lord showed Moses, I love this, he showed him a root. He showed him a root, and Moses threw it into the water, <clears throat> and when he did, the water became sweet. God does not prevent the bitterness, but if you'll trust him and you'll abide in the vine and you'll stay committed, at some point, I promise you, he'll add one ingredient that'll make your whole life sweet once again. Amen. <clears throat> Just like that, he can turn it all around. Uh, I told you it says Hebrews 12, 15, let no bitter root grow up to find me like Esau. So who was Esau? So last week, remember I told you about Jacob, the trickster, schemer, swindler. He lied, he cheated, he stole, and then God blessed him. Remember I told you that? Well, the person Jacob lied, cheated, and stole was his brother Esau. And it implies here that Esau had a bitter root. Of course he did. He's trying to do the right thing. His brother's doing the wrong thing, and his brother's being blessed by God. Have you ever thought, God, I go to church every Sunday. My neighbor, they're atheists, and they're driving a Mercedes. I'm driving a Pinto. I hope there's not a pinto out in, the, out in the parking lot. I'll feel really stupid right now. I'm trying to pick a car that I want. Um, or God, how come, you know, you healed this person. They don't even serve you. You didn't heal my friend. And Esau's thinking, God, you're blessing this guy that did me wrong. Many years ago, I had a friend. I literally spent 10 years. I added it up earlier today. I spent 10 years helping this guy. 10 years. I mean, I helped him through everything. Divorce and addiction and no one liked them, and I was the only one that would spend time with them. And I gave him money, and I took time away from my family to help him and meet him and pray for him and all this. And then um, <clears throat> when I needed a friend more than anything, I mean more than anything, he completely stabbed me in the back. I mean knife in the back, right down my spine kind of thing. I mean horrible, horrible, horrible. And I'll tell you, I never, ever have felt such uh, uh, anger and hatred and the desire to do something I'm not going to say because we're filming right now. But it was bad. It was, let me say, it was bad in here. It was really bad in here. Okay, really bad. And about three or four weeks after that happened, God blessed him with his dream job that he had prayed for for a decade. He went to school for this for a decade, couldn't get it. Three weeks after he completely shatters my heart, he gets this great. And I was so mad at God. I'm not, I, told, I, told, I said, God, I'm pissed. I'm, I cannot believe how. And, and for three weeks, I didn't talk to God. Try preaching without talking to God all week. It doesn't go, we deleted those videos off of YouTube. It was not good at all. It was not good at all. And, um, and so one day I just said, God, I'm, I'm so angry with you. How, could you. how could you bless someone who could do so much wrong? And as clear as anything, God spoke to me and said, the same reason I bless you, John Paul. Because <laughs> I'm a merciful God. And I want to draw people toward me. And the reason I bless you is the same reason I bless him. is Because I love my children. That's why. Deuteronomy 29, 18 says this. Make sure there's no one whose heart. Why would our heart ever turn away from the Lord, right? It's referring to people whose heart is for Jesus. And it says, why would you turn away from him? Here's why. Because there's a root of wormwood that produces bitter poison. Wormwood is a type of root or tree or plant that if it touches anything, Everything it touches turns bitter. You could have an entire huge, you know, fresh water to drink, and there's a little bit of wormwood, the whole thing's bitter. Most theologians believe when the Israelites came to the desert, like I read the scripture earlier, the reason the water was bitter in the beginning is because there was a root of wormwood in it. There's a famous book by C.S. Lewis called The Screwtape Letters. And how many of you have read The Screwtape Letters? Okay, I'm going to let everyone lie just for a second, okay? How many of you have read The Screwtape Letters? I can't believe y'all lied in church. What's wrong with y'all? Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Um, 
It's a famous Christian book you should read. It's, it's an apologetic. An apologetic is a book where a truth is taken from the word and it's written in fictional form. So a truth with fictional form. It's C.S. Lewis's apologetic screw tape letters. Screw tape letters, screw tape was a demon, a really good, I, I, I can't figure if I can describe as a really good demon or a really bad demon. He was really good at being bad. He was a demon that was in charge and he was an uncle. His nephew demon was Wormwood. And so Screwtape writes his nephew demon. He's training his nephew demon how to be a good, how to be a good, how to be a bad demon, how to be a horrible demon, okay? He's training him how to be a horrible demon. And so he writes him 31 letters, I think it is. And I'm going to modernize it just because the book was written many, many years ago. But um, he says, uh, Dear nephew Wormwood, here's your job this week. Go to church somewhere. And when you see someone take somebody else's seat by accident, Make sure you fill that person whose seat was taken. Fill their mind up with this event all through the service and every day this week. So by the time they come to church next Sunday, they have a little bit of bitterness on the inside. And then a few more weeks, they'll leave church. Wormwood says, thank you, Uncle Screwtape. I'll go to work and do it. And he does it. Screwtape writes his nephew, Demon. Uh, Wormwood, he says, Wormwood, um, um, that Christian who prayed for their loved one to be healed of cancer and, and wasn't healed, um, every time they hear the word cancer, remind them God could have healed. Every time the song plays that brings back a memory of that loved one, remind them it's all God's fault. Wormwood says, thank you, Uncle Screwtape. I'll go to work. His job is to plant just a little teeny seed of bitterness. And then sooner or later, the whole thing becomes defiled, and many are defiled by it. Romans 8.10 says this, The third angel blew his trumpet, and a star like a torch. Now, a falling star is a, is a fallen angel that turned into a demon. Again, I'm not telling you that because I'm smart. It's because the Bible tells us that in other places. Fell from heaven on the third of the water. A third of the angels fell, remember? The water turned bitter, and many... I just want you to see that wormwood affects many. Bitterness in your heart, that root affects many areas of your life. Many people died. That star was named wormwood. In the 20th century, doctors started trying to use wormwood in medicine, but it actually did had way worse side effects than you could imagine. And I'll read something directly out of a medical journal. Uh, it says, wormwood is considered dangerous to health because it causes convulsions, hallucinations, mental deterioration, and psychosis. And let me read it in a spiritual way for you, okay? A bitter root on the inside of your heart is dangerous to your health. It causes your body to do things it shouldn't do. It causes you to see things you shouldn't see, and it causes you to think thoughts you shouldn't think. Jeremiah 9.15 says this, that we will stubbornly follow whatever we want to do rather than what God wants, and here's why. Because we're feeding on wormwood, and we drink bitter water of gall. Or gal. Now, if you've been at church for a long time, you've heard the word gall from another passage of Scripture. Okay, I'm going to get to that. Messianic prophecy about Jesus. Psalm 69, 21. They also gave me, this is Jesus, gall, bitterness for my food and vinegar to drink. Now, the Bible says Jesus faced, he was tempted with everything. He was faced every temptation. Did Jesus face every temptation, yes or no? Does Jesus know what it feels like to battle the things that you battle, yes or no? Okay. Most theologians believe this was the very last temptation that Jesus faced before he gave up his spirit and died at the cross. Matthew 27, 34, they offered him sour wine mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink. We're all going to taste bitterness in our life. 
but we all have a choice of whether or not we're going to consume it and let it get on the inside. When Jesus was faced with this temptation, and again, he could have shot lasers. I don't know why. I really want to see him shoot lasers out of his eyes so bad one day. So bad. And I have some people that I... Anyway, and so... But here's what Jesus said. Luke 23... I don't have any bitterness in me. Luke 23, 34. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't even know that they, they never asked for forgiveness. And he forgave them anyway. Some of y'all are waiting for that person to ask. <laughs> they may never ask. Don't let it destroy your life. Okay, last point and we're done. Point three is this, better roots. It's a quick point too, quick point. Better roots. Psalm 1-3, he finds joy in God's word and he habitually meditates on it day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the water. Now I want you to see, I want you to see this, oh man, first service I couldn't get the word right. I had three English teachers in the service too. The sinner. Synonymity, the synonymity, I'm sorry, the synonymity, I want you to see the synonymity between God's word and being a tree that's planted by water, do you see the synonymity, take note that I said that word correctly, and I'm very intelligent, so there's synonymity in God's word, just say it one time for me, synonymity. well y'all did much better than I did. I thought it was like anonymity, anonymity. I was thinking, was that movie with the fish? And Nemo. Okay, so you see this. Do you see how God's word and tree being planted is the same as what it's saying? Right? Okay, so God's word and your trees planted by the water. And here's what happens when God's word, trees planted, you produce fruit every month. Everything you do will prosper and succeed. The location of your roots determines the produce of your fruit. You with me? We just talked about abiding, 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 staying there. Um, if you take a lemon tree and you plant it in Alaska, it's not going to produce lemons, even though it's been called to. Do you understand? If you take a tree and you don't plant it where it's supposed to be, it's not going to produce what it's supposed to produce. You're called to produce fruit. We've read that all through today. Ready? So where do you need to plant yourself so the bitter roots come up, the better roots stay, and you produce fruit? Ephesians 5.26, he might cleanse the church by the washing of the water with the word of God. Psalm 92, 13, being planted in the house of the Lord, they shall flourish. They shall bear fruit even when they're as old as Bob. They shall be refreshed and flourishing. Okay. The longer you stay planted in a local church, the more fruit you're going to produce. The longer you stay planted, even when there's a guest speaker who preaches a lot longer than I do, even if there's a song you don't like, even if some reason, and this never happens, even if the pastor offends you, I know it's shocking that never happens here, but even if that happens, I don't agree with everything here. It doesn't matter this is where God's called me. I don't like turning the lights on and then, but you know, that's the new, whatever. I don't, like, get over it. You got to remember, we're not, I'm not here for me. I'm here for y'all. And each individual person, you're not here. For, you're here to bless everybody. You're here for Jesus and to bless the people around you. So let me give you an analogy. I'll let you go. I love botany. And um, I have fruit trees all in my backyard. And I just, uh, tons of them. I love fruit trees. I mean, I have everything. Figs, kumquats, apples, pears. My whole backyard is filled with grapes, everything. Um, I've always wanted to see a redwood tree. The sequoias, you know, like in, in Oregon and Washington, that's, that's a dream of mine. One day I'm going to do it. And I, I remember studying when I was a kid. 
Do you know a redwood tree can grow to be 350 feet in the air? That's a tall tree. Do you know that it can live to be over a thousand years old? Now that's older than Bob. That's a long time. Um, you would think that the reason they can be so tall, they're so huge. I mean, some of them are so wide that a train can go through them if you were to cut a hole. You'd think, well, it's because of the roots. And it is. But do you know that the redwood tree's roots, even though it's 350 feet tall, they only go down 6 to 12 feet in the earth. And their roots are only an inch in diameter. But the thing about the redwood trees is, is the storms that come don't touch them. The winds can blow 100 miles an hour. They don't move. The pests that normally eat a forest up, they're not, they're not even touched by it. Doesn't do it. So how in the world can a 350-foot tree, 1,000 years old, pests don't bother it, storms don't bother it, winds don't bother it, their roots only go 6 to 12 feet deep, they're only an inch in diameter. How can that happen? How can it stay standing? Here's how. Even though the inch in diameter is the size of the root, even though it's only 6 to 12 feet deep, they spread out hundreds of feet to the left and right underground. And they connect with all the other redwood trees in the forest. So when the storm comes, it's not just messing with one of them. It's messing with all of us. When the enemy tries to attack with depression or discouragement or losing job, whatever, it's not just messing with you. It's messing with your elders, your worship leaders, your Sunday school teachers. Your children's teachers, your ushers, your hospitality team, your prayer team. It's not just me it's messing with our whole family. When you're rooted in the body of Christ, the storms of life can't knock you down. Amen. So my encouragement for you is this. Make Jesus your root. Ask him to remove the bitterness. And my goodness, plant yourself in a local church. Even if some of the people sitting next to you are weird. Okay, that's it.